Welcome to The Little Sleep Show, a podcast about helping your children and family get the sleep you need. Hosted by Laura Meyercourt. Hello and welcome back to The Little Sleep Show. I'm your host, Laura Meyercourt, and I am an infant and child sleep consultant. And today I wanted to talk a little bit about nutrition and sleep. I was thinking this was going to be a shorter show, but... I actually have a lot of material to cover, so I'm going to jump right into it. So nutrition alone won't stop wakings or sleep challenges, but it's definitely a piece of the puzzle. Looking at sleep challenges in the holistic way, as I do as a sleep consultant, nutrition is a very important piece because nutrition affects our body chemistry our blood sugar, the chemicals that are being released. And I'll go into that in a little more detail, talking about certain foods that support sleep and certain foods that can interfere with sleep. So I'll start with babies. Infants can be exclusively breast or formula fed for the first six months. Solids can be introduced slowly. Between four to six months, you should always check with your pediatrician or your doctor and ask them when the appropriate time. And some some signs that your baby is ready for solids are um, at least doubling in birth weight. Your baby can sit up in the high chair, they can hold their head up, and they can open their mouth and swallow when offered food. If you're putting a little bit of cereal in their mouth and their tongue is naturally pushing it back out, they might not be ready, quite ready for solids yet. And some gagging is normal when babies are trying new foods and different textures particularly, so don't be alarmed. It is important to watch your baby very carefully when they're eating, but some gagging is normal because some babies have a harder time with the swallowing and the chewing part of eating than others do. I'm going to cover the topic of breastfeeding and bottle feeding and weaning and introducing solids much more in detail in another episode. I wanted to touch upon this because this can be something that affects sleep. So when you introduce solids to your baby, you want to introduce them very slowly, one at a time, and then every three to four days to see how your baby reacts. So you don't want to give your six-month-old beets one day and then sweet potatoes the next day. You want to just give beets each day for about three days and see how they react Make note of any um, gastrointestinal issues and changes, respiratory issues, skin rashes, any swelling of the face or body. These are signs of a histamine reaction within the body, and these are something you should definitely speak to your pediatrician about if you notice anything like that. So the reason I'm talking about solids and introducing solids briefly is just because this can have an impact on sleep. Introducing new foods will affect your baby's digestive system to some degree, depending on what type of food it is. Grain cereals can cause constipation. Some fruits and vegetables may cause excessive gas if your baby's particularly sensitive. And this can cause sleep disruption. So that's why it's very important to pay attention to what you're feeding your baby. In fact, a lot of parents find it really helpful to keep a food log, especially if you find your child to be more susceptible to sensitivities, it's it's great to keep a food log because then you can go back and see what patterns are causing irritation to your little one. Constipation, some constipation is normal, more smelly poop, more frequent poop. But if the baby's poop is more watery or mucousy, definitely contact your doctor because that can be a sign of uh, food intolerance. Along with 
the GI issues comes gas for a lot of babies. And some babies have gas long before they get introduced to solids, but some solid foods may cause gas. Also, some formula types such as lactose-based or soy-based can also cause gas. So again, keep a food log to see if there are any patterns. If your little one does become gassy, um, the two tricks that I always use were bicycling the legs and also putting a firm hand on your baby's tummy and just massaging clockwise or counterclockwise around the belly. You can also try holding them laying on their stomach, like kind of across your lap. Sometimes that can help with burping or moving gas around. So baby eating solids will slowly take the place of breast milk or formula. And again, I'll get more into detail on weaning in another episode. So your baby may be ready anytime between 6 to 12 months to stop night feedings. And again, you're going to want to consult with your pediatrician when you're thinking about weaning. Some children will wean naturally just because they're getting more of their nutrition during the day. Some children prefer the breastfeeding and some children are just comfort nursing at night. So depending on your own child, there are different plans for weaning during the night. So children going through growth spurts, milestones, illnesses, or teething may have different feeding requirements. So for instance, a child who's teething might have trouble with eating more solids during the day or might have trouble with nursing. And so they're going to need to eat more throughout the day, including the nighttime. A child who's sick, again, they may not feel like eating, but they might be hungry in the middle of the night. So just something to keep in mind if your child is going through one of these things, they may need a little more um, attention and nutrition during the night. If you have a preemie, you should check with your doctor before beginning any night weaning, just because it's very important that preemies reach a certain weight before any kind of weaning can take place. So consult with your doctor. And I'm going to refer to that quite a bit in this episode because I am not a doctor. I'm not a nutritionist. I study the effects of food on sleep because as a sleep consultant, it's an area that I need to be knowledgeable in. But this is not medical advice. If you have any questions or concerns at all, please contact your pediatrician or your naturopathic physician and get the real medical advice from them. So this is just to give you guys an overview of potential foods that could be affecting your child's sleep in a negative or positive way. So some things to keep in mind when choosing foods that promote sleep. If you suspect a food is having a negative impact or reaction, then omit the food and consult with your doctor and you can investigate that more with them, whether they want to do allergy testing or have you keeping a food diary, but definitely stop whatever food you think is causing that right away. Certain minerals can impact and support your child's sleep in our in our own sleep. This information I'm going to give you now. I touched a little bit on it in Sleep for Parents on pro-sleep foods, things that encourage sleep, but I'm going to get more into detail in it here. And you can definitely take some of these ideas and apply it to your own nutrition. So magnesium, it's very common for kids' diets to be low in magnesium because a lot of magnesium-rich foods kids can be allergic to. And I'll detail what those foods are in a few moments when I get more into the pro-sleep foods. One alternative to magnesium foods is Epsom salts. They contain magnesium, so you can put some Epsom salts in your child's bath and it can be very relaxing for them. You can also supplement with a liquid or gummies. I take a supplement called Natural Calm, which is very... um, 
bubbly and very sour, so kids would not like it, but they do make gummies for kids. Now, I don't know what age the children can start taking the Natural Calm gummies, but definitely with a supplement, you would let, you want to consult with your doctor because magnesium, you can take too much of it. And these three minerals I'm going to talk about right now, you can take too much of these minerals, so you don't want to just give your child a supplement without consulting with your pediatrician. I'm sure if you just called their office and asked, they'd probably give you a quick answer on it, depending on your child's age and weight. So another deficiency that can cause sleep problems is iron. Iron deficiency can cause insomnia, and this goes for adults as well. So you can add in iron-rich foods, which again, I'll get into in a few moments. Many of us know that spinach is rich in iron, but there's other iron-rich foods as well. You can supplement with uh, herbs, nettle and chamomile both contain iron. So you could make a little tea and sweeten it with a little honey and give it to your child as like a, a warm tea or an iced tea if they would drink something like that or a vitamin supplementation. And again, check with your doctor if you think your child may be low in iron before supplementing. Your doctor may have a specific supplement for low iron, and they can check it really easily by taking a little bit of blood from your child. Zinc deficiency may cause um, teeth grinding. So if you notice that, your child may be deficient in zinc. And again, it's very easy to supplement with um, a gummy or a chewable with zinc. Before I discuss the foods that promote sleep, I'm going to talk about some foods to avoid before sleep. I'll start with the most obvious one. Caffeine in any form is a no-no, of course, stimulant. But be sure to watch for sneaky sources of caffeine, such as soda, chocolate candy, ice cream or granola bars that have chocolate. Anything that have, has chocolate in it, you don't want to give towards bedtime because it does contain caffeine. Another food you want to avoid before bed is fatty spicy or fried foods. So basically any kind of fast food, junk food, just because they may cause digestive discomfort. Your body has a harder time breaking those things down. Anything with excessive salt in it might cause thirst and disrupt sleep for children. So you don't want to give your child a bag of potato chips or a bag of pretzels right before bed because it would have too much salt and your child may wake up thirsty in the middle of the night. Popcorn and beans may be difficult to digest. Those can cause gas in a lot of people. Processed meats, fermented soy products, and hard Italian cheeses such as Parmesan or uh, Romano can contain a chemical called tyramine. And this causes the brain to feel alert. So that's one of those very sneaky sources that a lot of people probably don't know about. Tomatoes. I always tell my families with reflux babies avoid tomatoes because they cause acid reflux and heartburn. They're very acidic food. And then um, high glycemic foods, anything that's very sugary, um, anything with refined starch, white bread, white pasta, things like that. They can cause high blood sugar, like immediate high blood sugar to happen. Then the levels will fall. And they, if your child is eating these things close to bedtime, the levels will fall and in the body trying to stabilize the blood sugar levels will release stress hormones, cortisol and adrenaline to help stabilize the blood sugar. And if you've been listening to my show at all, you know that cortisol and adrenaline are what push us 
through and give us the second wind and keep us awake. So we do not want those stress hormones in our children's systems when they're trying to sleep. And that's another reason why kids can have, some kids are more sensitive to sugar than others is because that the very high that they get from the sugar and then the crash and then their body's releasing stress hormones. So that's why some children have a lot of tantrums and hyperactivity when they eat sugar. It's not actually the sugar, it's the blood sugar fluctuation that's causing that. And then many other food additives and preservatives can have a negative impact on children's behavior, children's sleep, on our immune systems, can cause inflammation. And some children, again, are more susceptible to sensitivities than others. But if you would like to know more about these additives and preservatives and what foods to avoid and what to avoid buying at the supermarket... There's a website called the Food Intolerance Network, and they have lists of ingredients to avoid and suggestions for various intolerances. Okay, now we get to the good stuff, pro-sleep foods. So there are a ton of foods that are really good at encouraging sleep. And I'm going to go over these lists. You can also Google pro-sleep foods and find a a lot of resources online if you want to get more into detail, but I'm going to get pretty detailed with the examples that I give you. Foods that contain calcium. Calcium works to calm the nervous system. Dairy, almonds, leafy greens, oranges contain calcium as well. An example of a really good food would be maybe yogurt because not only does that contain calcium, but it also contains probiotics, which help the digestive system. Another food that is pro-sleep is anything with omega-3. Oily fish, such as salmon. A lot of kids will eat salmon. They won't, even if they won't eat other fish, salmon is just a more meaty kind of fish. And a lot of kids will try salmon. So salmon is an awesome um, food. And I mentioned salmon a couple times on this list of pro-sleep foods. It has a couple different benefits. Avocado is high in omega-3. Seeds are high in omega-3. Nuts and cold-pressed vegetable oil, such as flax, Olive, coconut, those oils are all high in omega-3. Magnesium, back to the magnesium again. Foods that are high in magnesium, flax, sunflower, and pumpkin seeds, sesame, tahini. That's something that's a common ingredient in hummus, tahini, and in Middle Eastern cooking. Almonds, cashews, and edamame. So you can see, you know, the nuts and the seeds You can see why some of those foods, a lot of children wouldn't be eating them. Because first of all, small children don't eat a lot of nuts unless they're eating nut butter. They don't eat a lot of seeds because they're choking hazards. But then a lot of uh, children have nut sensitivities or nut allergies and don't get enough magnesium in their diets. Avocado is also high in magnesium. So that hits two of the boxes, omega-3 and magnesium. Bananas are high in magnesium. And banana is one of the perfect snacks um, right before bed because not only does it contain magnesium, but bananas also contain potassium. So those two serve as muscle and nerve relaxants. Carbs in the fruit convert to tryptophan into serotonin. So banana is like the perfect before bed snack because it hits so many of those boxes. And then leafy greens are also, uh, they also contain magnesium. One really cool food that I'm a big fan of is cherries. Cherries actually contain melatonin, which is a hormone that promotes calm and sleep. 
that our body produces naturally, but some people need more of it in order to relax and promote calm within their body. So if cherries or cherry juice are taken regularly, they can help regulate sleep cycles. So if your child is really having trouble, you might want to try giving them some cherries or even some cherry juice, maybe sweetened with a little bit of honey or um, diluted with some water before bed and see if that helps to regulate their sleep. High protein foods stabilize blood sugar and they keep us full. So some examples of high protein foods are poultry, of course, eggs, nut butter, dairy, and fish. Those are just some. High protein foods are best in combination with carbs and fats. The synergistic effect of all of those together really helps to promote sleep. Foods that are rich in niacin, such as beets, pork, and peanuts, chicken and turkey, can help reduce middle-of-the-night wakings. And a really well-known body chemical that promotes sleep is tryptophan. Of course, everyone knows that turkey contains tryptophan because at Thanksgiving, everybody gets sleepy after the turkey meal. But what tryptophan does, it's actually metabolized in the body as serotonin and melatonin. And those two work together to promote relaxation, calm, and then sleep. So some foods that contain a lot of tryptophan, of course, turkey, almonds, milk, salmon. So salmon ticks another box. Omegas, high protein, and tryptophan. So salmon's a good dinner choice for kids if they'll eat it. Pumpkin seeds contain tryptophan and reduced fat mozzarella cheese. That one was surprising to me, but that was one of the higher containing tryptophan foods on the list that I looked at. And then whole grain foods such as bread, oatmeal, rice, pasta. And again, those are best in combination with a healthy fat or a protein. I think that's pretty cool that food and vitamins and minerals in food can have that much of an effect on how we sleep and how long we sleep. Uh, You know, food was medicine a long, long time ago, and a lot of cultures still use food as medicine. Chinese culture is one that definitely uses food for different medicines. I see an acupuncturist and Actually, not the one I see currently, but my previous one, he used to give me different foods to eat. He used to tell me to eat watermelon all the time to help with my digestion, Um, eat ginger only at certain times of the day, eat cinnamon only in certain times of the year. So that's one culture, you know, Eastern medicine really believes in food as medicine. I just, I'm a nerd for all this kind of stuff. So I just think it's really cool. Hopefully some of you do too. If your child is struggling with sleep, try one of the following combinations before they go to sleep. Just some ideas for you. Bananas and yogurt. So you're hitting the protein, the calcium, the potassium, and the probiotics. Cheese and crackers. You got your carbs and protein. Nut butter and toast. Again, carbs, protein, fat, milk, and hummus and crackers. So another tip is to ensure that your child remains hydrated all day. So if you have one of those little bottles they can carry around that don't spill or they have a a special little water bottle or water cup that they carry around with them all day long, maybe if your child isn't that into it, if you let them pick out their own little bottle or cup that they can carry around all day, like one of those little thermoses with the straw or if it has their favorite character on it, they may be more willing to drink water out of it. With kids, it's hard to tell, but sometimes letting them have a choice in things makes them feel like they're part of the decision and then they'll be much more willing to go along with it. This helps keep their blood sugar levels more stable. 
So it can really help with keeping your child's temperament calmer during the day to keep them hydrated. And that's something I learned actually when I was researching for this podcast. I did not know that water was that important for keeping your children's blood sugar stabilized and our and our own, of course. And all this information I'm giving you can absolutely be applied to your yourself and your own diet. I'm going to close the podcast with just a very simple reflection, just a challenge this week to be more mindful of what you're feeding your child around bed or nap time and maybe even yourself and see how your body reacts to different foods. Maybe see how if you eat a pint of ice cream before bed one night and then the next night you eat a banana before bed and see if that makes a difference. Try introducing one or two of the pro-sleep foods for the evening meal or snack. Be mindful how often your child is eating as well. Sometimes we can be a little forgetful and kids definitely need um, reminders to eat. Sometimes, you know, our kids get very involved in what they're doing during the day and we need to actually stop them and get them to come and eat. So spacing meals by more than five hours will cause your child's cortisol levels to rise again because of the blood sugar levels falling if they haven't eaten for a long time and then their bodies will produce the cortisol and adrenaline. That's why when children are hungry, they can sometimes have a lot more behavioral issues and tantrums. That's my challenge to you for this week, just to be a little more mindful around it. And if you like the suggestion of keeping a food log, especially if your child, you see that they're sensitive to different foods, a food log is really great because if you do go and see any type of a allergy specialist or even your regular pediatrician, having a food log of what your child has eaten that may be causing the irritation or the sensitivity is going to be really helpful because they're probably going to ask you for that information anyway. So you'll save yourself probably a week or so of time if you already have a food log. So I hope that this information is helpful and I hope this can help some little ones and even some of you big ones listening sleep. Until next week, take care of yourself and each other. It's been great spending time with you and I look forward to visiting with you next week. Take care. next Tuesday with a brand new episode. Until then, follow us on Instagram and Facebook for tips on sleep and a whole lot more. See you next week.